you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message is Children of God, Cheer Up. Children of God, Cheer Up. This message is for every single person in the room that feels a sense of discouragement whenever they think about their contribution to the kingdom of God. We love the Lord with our whole heart, but there are seasons where we think to ourselves, I don't think I'm much of a contributor. And this message is to encourage you, and I believe that the Holy Spirit will do that for you today. Um, I've got three major points. I've got a few sub points in there. And if you want to follow along uh, on my notes, just download the Celebration Church app, Celebration Church TW. All my sermon notes are inside of the app. But I want to um, base this, this sermon today on a scripture that's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 35, verse 2. See, in chapter 33... The king of Jerusalem was an evil man. His name was Manasseh. When Manasseh died, his son, Amon, took over. And the Bible says that he was more evil than his father. In chapter 35 of 2 Chronicles, Josiah's son, I'm sorry, Amon's son, Manasseh's grandson took over the throne. His name was Josiah. Now, this young man was a man of a different sort. He wasn't like the other people in his family. He was passionate about the things of God. He was well aware of his weaknesses. He knew he had an Achilles heel. He knew he had no chance of being perfect. But in the midst of it all, he had set his face like flint. Whether I am struggling, whether I am on the mountaintop, I will be pursuing God and worshiping God. Is there anyone in this room like that? Come on. Encourage me if that's you. When you clap, you're praising God and you're encouraging me as well. So uh, look at the person next to you and say, come on, let's encourage him this morning. Go ahead. All right, so here we go. In um, 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 35, verse 2, Josiah is trying to change the culture that his grandfather and father had established. And so he's wanting to reestablish the temple. He's wanting to recreate a culture of worshipers. And so he says this in verse 2. He says, And Josiah took the priest, he placed the priest within their charge, and he encouraged them in their service in the house of God. So he placed the priest, the, the person who spoke about God, he read the scrolls and spoke of the things of God. He says, get back in your place and begin to speak of the Lord. Now, if you read the rest of the chapter, he begins to look at everyone else and says, all of you, every single person that hears my voice, you are not to remain idle. 
you are not allowed to stand and watch us as we worship our God. As we rebuild the temple, you are not allowed to be inactive. Now, there were people who fell into three categories or four categories. The first category are the people that's like, I have been waiting for this. Let's go. And then there was the category, and these are the three categories I'm going to talk about. Number one, I honestly would love to be a contributor, but I don't have anything to offer. The second category are the people that say, I used to be a great contributor. There was a season of my life where I was in the ranks within a church, within a ministry, and I was a significant uh, contributor. However, the seasons have changed, and I'm no longer as important as I used to be. That's category number two. And the third category is the person that says, I want to be a contributor, but I'm only a one-talent person. I really don't have much to offer. And so let's just tackle that first category, the person who feels like they have nothing to offer. In this point, the primary thing that I want to get across is if you are worshiping while you're working, you are sending melodies into the presence of God. Come on. If you are worshiping while you're working, melodies are going into the presence of God. If you are an individual who is carrying great responsibility at your place of employment, it's requiring a lot of time. It's even requiring time, oftentimes before work, after work. You do your best to not bring work home. It's a heavy burden. We're talking way more than 40 hours. Sometimes it's only 30 hours or 25 hours, but it's a heavy burden. I want to tell you this. As you live life, don't allow the enemy to tell you that you are not a contributor if you are one who worships while you work. Because when you worship while you work, you're sending melodies to God. If you are a person that doesn't necessarily carry heavy weight at a place of employment, but you carry heavy weight with your family, they're constantly drawing upon you. I'm thinking of a family now in our church where her parents draw from her. They depend on her. She's a, 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 a married woman, but yet her parents depend on her. Her children depend on her. Her sisters depend on her. They draw from her. And when you are that person, when other people are depending so much on you, it's very hard to take your mind's attention and put it on the things of God. Take your heart and put it on the things of God. It's very, very difficult. And I would tell you that if you are worshiping while you are working, you are sending melodies to God. Uh, my, my wife, when we first started the church 17 years ago, she used to come on the stage with me and she would encourage the congregation before I spoke. And then our three kids starting get, started to get older. They were just babies when we started, started getting older. 
And as they started getting older, the demand of being a mom began to pull on her. Well, she was preparing every week because you deserve something that comes from her heart. So she was preparing every single week. And then there was this moment, and it was a conversation that I'll never forget. She said, I feel like my season has shifted. It's time to shift from the platform to parenting. I've got to give exclusive attention to my children. I can't do what I used to do. The season has shifted. If you are the parent where your kids now are demanding and need the attention from you, I want you to know that if you are working and you are worshiping at the same time, you're sending melodies to God. In second, no, in first Corinthians chapter 12, no, 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 I'm sorry. It's in Romans chapter six, verse 13. Paul says this, do not let your body be an instrument to serve evil. You used to be dead, but now you have a new life. So let every part of your body be an instrument to serve God to do what is good. Every part of your body. If you are working, you're serving, you're spread thin, but you have reserved your mouth and your words and your tone and your expression and your look and the way you dress and the way you treat people. If you have reserved yourself to be an instrument to God, you are sending melodies into the presence of God. And the Lord says this, your worship is like sweet incense in my presence. Come on. This, for those of you that says, I have nothing to offer. I'm not the charismatic. I'm not the, I, I don't have a million friends and I don't have a stack of dollars. I want you to know that when you worship, angels cannot understand the intimacy that you are able to establish with the creator of the world. They cannot understand it because they have the luxury of being in the presence of God and looking at the son of God. You and I, we don't have that luxury, but yet we worship. For those of you who say, I don't have anything to offer, I want you to know you are an oracle of God. You are an instrument of God. And regardless of what happens, fill your mouth with praise and don't ever stop. In Psalms chapter 34, verse 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises will always be on my lips. That's for the person who thinks they have nothing to offer. Come on. Do you receive that today? The second category is the person who feels like they were a contributor at, what time, at one time in their life. But now the seasons have changed. They don't feel as important in the ranks of the army of God. You know, that's a, a fascinating situation to be in because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, it says, you are the body of Christ 
and all of you belong in that body. So all of you are the body of Christ. And here's the thing about the body is some of us are an external part of the body that people can see. Others of us are an internal part of the body that nobody can see. Let me illustrate. The hands, anything you do with the hands, everybody can see. If I'm building something, you can see it. As you are listening to me today and you see me moving my hands about, you can see it. This is representative of a person who has a ministry that everybody can witness. The person who are the feet of God. This person is being sent different places. Sent to family members, sent to friends, sent to cities, doing missionary trips. This is a person who's being sent and everybody can see them. But the internal parts of a body, like the lungs, now those you cannot see, but they're incredibly critical. It's not a public part of the body of Christ. It's a private part of the body of Christ. But if you take the lungs out of a body, the body is dead. The lungs, the part that no one can see, is critical to the body. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, it says, Those who bless others or those who refresh others, they themselves shall be refreshed. How do you refresh someone? How do you do that? It's your words and the actions you do one-on-one -on -one that encourages someone to the point that they feel like their lungs are being filled with air, filled with strength, filled with new life, filled with courage. They were down, they were encouraged, they wanted to quit, they felt like they were defeated, but yet when you spoke to them, you filled their lungs with life. That's the inside. That's, those are the things that nobody sees. Typically, it's one-on-one. -on -one. It's a phone call. It's a text message. This is very important. Take, for example, the heart. Nobody can see the heart. No one can see, but it's the most important part of the body. What does the heart represent? The most important part of God's body, of the body of Christ, has always been and will always be prayer. Prayer beats the heart of the body of Christ. If the body of Christ stops praying, then the church falls apart. The church falls apart. One preacher can live a whole life and pass away. Another preacher can live his whole life and pass away. But if the church ever stops praying, the entire kingdom of God is now in jeopardy. You're the most important person that has ever prayed. Did you know in Psalms 56, 9, that the very day you call for help, the tide of the battle moves. When you pray for your children, the very day you call for help, 
the tide of the battle shifts. You say, well, I'm not seeing any difference. My son's a knucklehead. I pray for him. He's still a knucklehead. The tide is shifting in the supernatural. Sometimes you have to win in the supernatural before you see the victory in the natural. Do you believe that? Come on. You got to win on your knees before you get to see it on your feet. Sometimes you got to win it. Margaret Thatcher once said, there are some battles you have to fight more than once just to win. I'm calling you out. I'm challenging you to be one of those people that say, I am a prayer warrior. I might feel like I am not important in the ranks I because nobody can see me. I'm, I'm private. I used to be public. I want to tell you, without a heart, the body can't live. It cannot live. If you know me at all, you know that one of my favorite preachers of all time is a guy by the name of Charles Finney. He's one of the guys who started the second great awakening in the early 1800s. I believe it started in 1795 and I think it went to like 1817 or 1820. But he was one of the ones who started it. Now the great awakening is not a great church service. Uh, it's not like that. The great awakening is when the presence of God was so strong within a church service that people who were not saved would literally shake and hang on to their chair and beg for forgiveness. These people would pray with such fervency and passion that they did not want to leave and go home. They would stay there for hours. There are certain history books that say that a, a bystander that's just passing by the building would begin to feel the presence of God and fall to their knees and raise their hands. There's one report that says that in certain places, this is not the Second Great Awakening, this is the Azusa Street Revival in 1900, where they could see fire, literally physical fire, above the church. There are certain awakenings that are unlike anything any of us have ever seen. And Charles Finney was one of the leaders of the Second Great Awakening. Wouldn't you know that that great awakening that rumbled across our country, literally across the country, started with people who were on their knees praying. That's where it started. Finney was not a great orator like Whitfield or his contemporaries. No, 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 no. He spoke softly. He was a former attorney before he became a preacher. And when the power of God would fall, it was unexplainable because he didn't have great oratory gifts. But he had a best friend named Daniel Nash. And Daniel Nash would go ahead of him to the city that he planned to go. He would check himself into a hotel and he would cry out to God for hours, days, and weeks. History books says that they could hear him screaming out and pleading for a move of God all the way down the street. There were people who opened the door and knocked on the door to see if he was okay. And then whenever he felt like he had touched God's Garment. When he had broken through, then he would send a message to Charles Finney and say, 
this place is ready. And he would show up and there would be fire. He never, Daniel Nash never sat in the sanctuary. He was never in the service. He stayed in his hotel room and prayed the entire time. I want to show you the church that this all started in with Charles Finney. It wasn't a big church. It was a small chapel just like that. In our day and age, it would be the chapel that people would want to get married in. It's a, a, a wooden pews with a center aisle that sat about 80, maybe 90 people. But there were a group of people, naturally a small group of people, that prayed in the church, that prayed at night, that prayed in each other's homes. And it was marked, their prayers were marked by being united, fervent, and agonizing. When they prayed, it was not, dear Lord, will you move? Dear God, will you touch us? Lord, we want more. We want more of you. Do you know that if your prayers put you to sleep, they're probably putting God to sleep as well? The prayers have to move you before they move God. Are you with me? Say amen to that. If your prayers are boring you, then the angel standing next to you is just waiting for you to be done. Let's go do something else. But they were marked by being united, fervent, agonizing, persevering. You know what persevering is? Persevering is when you're praying, but you feel like you're talking to the wall. Persevering is when you look at someone else and they seem to be dialed in to the presence of God, but you yourself feel like you're just boring all of heaven but you keep praying fervently. What does fervently look like? Fervently is passion. Fervently is when you, vi you visualize the face of God and you passionately pray. And I want to say for those of you that are new at praying, there's nothing more powerful than saying, Jesus, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, Jesus, I love you. If you say that for four hours, there's nothing else that's more powerful than shouting the name of Jesus as an instrument on this earth. There's nothing more powerful than that. But prayer, and Charles, uh, who said this? Charles Spurgeon said this. A prayer without fervency is like hunting with a dead dog. People who pray, people who cry out for God, cause a wall of fire to be around their children, their home, and like a blaze of fire before them. And they're walking and treading only where angels walk. This is what happens when someone says, I may not hold the rank of a public leader, but I am a worshiper, I am a prayer. There's no one here that's been set aside. Your season may have changed. What you do may have changed, but you are more important than what you think you are. Do you receive that? Come on. The last category is the person who says, I do have something to contribute. I'm aware of it, but it's just not much. And when I look around me to the people who have means, the people who have relationships, the people who have charisma, I just feel like I should just back up and allow them to do all the heavy lifting because I really don't have much to offer. You're not in the first category of people that say, I have nothing. 
You're in the third category. It says, I do have something, but it's just not much. The Lord taught a lesson in Matthew chapter 25. It's a message about talents. And the Lord says this, to one person, I gave five talents. They had a lot. They had everything that they needed to be effective. To another person, I gave two talents. They didn't have everything that the person with five talents had, but at least they had options. They had a couple gifts they could use. But then there was a person who was only given one talent. They weren't good at anything at all except for one thing. And he's surrounded by a person who could do everything. Have you ever met a person who can play the piano? They can sing. They're smart. They're successful. They're good looking. And you look at them and you're like, this is not fair at all. Are you with me? Say yes. This, they are a five talent person. Then you back up and you say, I'm a one talent person. How am I to be a contributor? I would say this to you. A person, a man or woman of God with one talent who has set themselves on fire makes a greater contribution to the kingdom of God than a person with five talents who's sleepwalking through life. A person who sets themselves on fire and says, I might only be able to do one thing. And that one thing really isn't that much. It's not enough to make more than one ripple in a pond. But that one thing I do, I have set it on fire. I pray over it. I worship and I thank God for it. And I am passionate about what I do. That person right there that has set themselves on fire will do way more than a person with five talents that's sitting on a chair smoking a cigarette thinking, I am the most talented person in the world. I love you all so much. I truly do. And I want you to be encouraged this morning. Because you are only sitting here with air in your lungs because your assignment is not finished yet. That's the only reason. You may feel down. You may feel discouraged. But listen to what I'm saying today. If you feel like you have nothing to offer, if you feel like you've been set aside or you only have one talent, we need you. And if you do the only things that you know how to do, your family will be affected. Your friends will be affected. And when you stand before God, there will be a parade for you when you show up. I want you to know that. Do you receive that? In a moment, I'm going to play a video of someone who has recently physically healed here. And I want to preface it by saying the church is 17 years old and healings like this have only been happening since 2018. Uh, I've always been saying for the last two years, but man, time has just flew. It's been four years, my goodness. But what I've noticed in the past six months or so 
is not only are people being physically healed, but the evil and the unclean spirits that's been tormenting people for far too long are falling off of them like a drip of water. I can't explain it. It's just another promotion that our family is receiving by the grace of God. I say it's our family because it happens even when I'm not here. So I know for sure I'm just a vessel like everybody else. It's an anointing on our church. Uh, I've had a couple guest speakers come in over the past few weeks as I've been out of town. And they call me up and they tell me about testimonies of people getting healed. And I celebrate with them. But the one thing I don't say is, brah, this happens every week. <laughs> but the deliverance is powerful. After we prayed for healing this morning, I was walking away and someone grabbed me and said, I'm in from out of town. And every time I come here to visit, I see this same young girl. She's a teenager. She goes, she's got a lot of problems. Is there anyone here at the church that can meet with her and give her some counseling? I said, absolutely. There's people on our team that's far smarter than I, that's got decades of experience. Call up and they'll help you. And then I thought to myself, or... God can just fix her right now. And so I walked over to her just to pray with her. And the thought crossed my mind. It's like an impression just flew across my mind. This happens to you all the time. You ever been talking to somebody and you're like, this, this person's lying to me. Have you ever been there? Say yes. You're lying to me. That's what it's like. It's like this quick thought that just crosses your mind. And I walked up to her and this quick thought crossed my mind. She's being tormented by the devil. I held her hand, prayed a very short prayer. And all of a sudden, the God started to rock her. You could, if I were standing to the side, I could see something is happening to her. She was being delivered. And I'll tell you this, Satan hates Celebration Church. Hates us. Hates us. Because every Sunday, we're coming after them and telling them, you don't belong here. These are children of God. Get out of here. And so as you watch this video, I want your faith to begin to increase because physical healings will happen like it does every single week. But some of you in this room, you have a different need. And the Lord will fill that need as well. Take a look at this. In 2012, I went to Fort Benning, uh, Georgia, which is the airborne school. Uh, and uh, when I jumped out the plane on my third jump, uh, I broke my leg. They sent me to Fort Bragg, and you know I kept running, running, re-injuring it, re-injuring it. Uh, and in uh, 2012, you know the doc said, "Hey, look, you know it's permanently messed up. You know we can do surgery, but it's really not going to help much. As a matter of fact, it's going to make it worse." <laughs> Every day, it's a constant pain when I wake up. My wife sees me, you know, kind of limp out of bed and, and all that. And, uh, you know, this is something that I accept. Today, he called me by name, and it's still a little overwhelming. Uh, Pastor Frankie said, hey, you know, Jeff or Jeffrey? I'm like, 
okay, it still might not be me, but you know, <laughs> you know that's undeniable. And he's like, uh, you know, you, you pain in your right leg, you broke your right leg. I'm like, okay, all right, I, I got it, I got it. And when he started to pray, he said, you know, just squeeze my hand when you feel it. I started to feel a lightness. My leg buckled. My leg buckled. He said, in the name of Jesus, you know, be healed and when my leg buckled like I couldn't control it my legs both my legs were shaking uncontrollably but my right one there was a strong pressure that came up from my ankle to my knee then all of a sudden it stopped the shaking stopped and I felt strong and I, I started really starting to irritate it things I wouldn't dare do I started hopping them down on one leg and like right now I still can't feel it I can't feel it I have been healed I have been healed and it is Give him a standing ovation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like our prayer partners to come down throughout the room. And we're going to pray for healing and the Lord will heal. We're going to pray for deliverance and the Lord will deliver. But I have to, I have to talk to the most important people in the room. The most important people in the room are those that know, you know. No one's judging you, you know. That if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, you do not know where you would spend eternity. I want to say to you, you cannot, I'm begging you, don't leave this room without getting your life right with God. In fact, we're going to take a moment to do that right now. Can everyone in the room just raise your hands? Actually, we're going to do it different. Put your hands down. You know, when Jesus was walking around, if, if you proclaimed to be a follower of Christ, you're putting your life on the line because they crucified Christians. And so when you proclaim I'm a follower of Christ in those days, you're telling your family, I don't know what's going to happen. And now in 2022, we do this real private thing. I don't want you to feel awkward. Everyone here is going to bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to make this as private and as comfortable as we possibly can. And I'm going to say, no, not today. We're going to make it as public as we possibly can. The Bible says, that if you're ashamed of him in front of people, he'll be ashamed of you in front of the Father. So if you're in this room right now, you say, you don't know me, preacher, but if I died in the next five minutes, I don't know what's gonna happen. With your elbow as straight as possible, 
want you to raise your hand high over your head and leave it up. Don't just throw it up. Leave it up because I want everyone to see you. Raise your hand as high as you can and leave it up and say, I, you're talking to me, preacher. Come on, put it up and don't put it down. Come on, there's one. There's two. There's three. There's four. There's five. There's six. There's seven. Come on, if you didn't want to be the first one, because you then raise it now. Eight. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else in here? It says today is the day. Now, let's all lift our eyes to the Lord, raise our hands, and let's say this out loud. Jesus, say it loud. Jesus, Jesus. you are my Savior. Now, I'm sorry for all my sins. I belong to you. And I want to live for you. I love you. I thank you for your grace and mercy. I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give them a big round of applause. Come on. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Now, I want you to come out of your seat, any of you that need prayer, all around this room, anyone who need prayer. And I feel like there's two people with cancer that I'm supposed to pray for. I believe you're going to be healed. If that's you in this room, I want you to come down. I want you to stand right here. I'm going to take my mic off. And I'm going to pray for you. But come out of your seat quickly. Don't stare at me. Come out fast. And come stand right down here. There's two people I'm supposed to pray for. Where are you in the room? I believe there's two of you. And if I'm wrong, then I didn't hear from God at all. And I missed it. Now raise your hand in this room if it's you. There's more people who watch online that are in this than are in this sanctuary. And so if I'm talking to a person that's online and it's you, begin to believe God for it right now. But I need to hold myself accountable with all of you. And if nobody comes down, that means I probably didn't hear from God. Okay. There's two people here who have cancer. Is there anyone in this room? Okay. These two people have family members that have cancer, and we'll pray for them. But is there anyone who has cancer? thought I heard from God that I was supposed to pray for those two people. I guess it was me talking to myself. Sometimes that happens. Actually, it happens a lot. But when I'm right, things like that happen. Why don't you come out of your seat come pray with a prayer partner. Ushers, you got a lot of work to do because we don't have as many prayer partners as we normally do. So the prayer partners will pray fast and ushers, you'll work fast. So if you want to be prayed for, just come down to the bottom of your aisle. Debbie, I don't have an usher at this aisle. 
Someone's going there now, though. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. But let's worship this song one or two times through before anyone goes. I love you all. I'll see you next Sunday.